Katatsumuri, Sorosoro Nobore, Fujinoyama, Kobayashi Yisa. O oh, snail, climb Mount Fuji, but slowly, slowly. Yaho! Welcome to Honto Ego, Japan's only 99.9% English podcast, hosted at my dinner table. My name is Matt, I'm a Canadian living in Japan, and today, as you may know from our intro, the little haiku in Japanese and English at the beginning, today's topic is Mount Fuji. Now, the reason why I'm talking about Mount Fuji today is we're right in the middle of August、um, in 2023, and this is the perfect climbing season for Mount Fuji. For people who have lived in Japan, have you climbed Mount Fuji before? If so, how many times? There's that old Japanese saying about、uh, how does it go? A fool never climbs Mount Fuji, and only a fool climbs Mount Fuji twice. <laughs> um, unfortunately, that would make me a fool.、Um, I have climbed Mount Fuji twice before、um, once last year in August. Um, about this time last year. And the first time I climbed it was maybe in 2017 or 2018. I don't remember. Anyway, first, I want to do a quick introduction of Mount Fuji for people who haven't lived in Japan. To be honest, I'm not really sure.、Um, do many people know about Mount Fuji? People not in Japan?、Um, just in case, Mount Fuji is the tallest mountain in Japan. Uh, I guess it's a volcano, technically, right? It's an active volcano, but it hasn't erupted in the past 300 years. Now, Mount Fuji, it's always depicted in art, right? You can always see paintings of it,、um, and there's many famous photographs of it. And I think the reason why it's so popular, you know, besides being the tallest mountain in Japan, is it's visible from so much of Japan. No matter where you are on a clear day, you can almost see Mount Fuji in the distance, you know, quite often. I live in Chiba, right, north of Tokyo, and Mount Fuji is about 200 kilometers away from me, and I can see it sometimes, you know, if the weather is clear enough. So it is this really perfectly shaped cone, you know.、Um, I think you know, the, the white snow that tops it you know, during the wintertime or about half of the year, I think that makes it really iconic. You know? It stands out, the shape of it and the color of it, and it's quite beautiful. So, like I've said before, I'm from Canada, but you know, I'm from near Toronto and southern Ontario. And where I'm from in Canada, there aren't really any mountains. You know, not any big mountains. So, mountain climbing is a pretty new hobby for me. You know, it's only in the past six years or seven years that I've been climbing mountains, right?、Um, and still, when I see mountains, I'm still amazed at how big they are. And, you know, I can't believe that people live near them or on them or, you know, between them. <laughs> I think that's so cool still. So, I've climbed a fair amount of mountains in Japan. And I have to say, I might get some hate for this. Fuji is not my favorite climb in Japan. You know, because it's a mountain and because it's so tall,、uh, 
Uh, you know, it's 3,776 meters, I believe. 3,776, yeah. Um, because it's so tall and because it's a volcano, it's a bit bare, right? There aren't many trees or, you know, plant life on the side of it. You know, once you get past a certain point, it's a lot of, like, gravel, you know, and gray rock. <laughs> but, on the other hand, from Fuji, you have a pretty amazing view of the rest of Japan. And I think that's why people love climbing Fuji, um, for that sunrise view, okay? And both times that I've climbed Fuji, I've done the overnight climb to see the sunrise in the early morning. So I'll talk about my experience climbing Fuji. For anybody that is thinking about going to climb Fuji, um, or if you want to know what it's like, I'll tell you my experience. Now the first time that I climbed Fuji was either in the last week of August or the first week of September. Um, and I didn't know this at the time, but that's really kind of late to climb Fuji in the year. You know, the, the window that you can climb Fuji in is pretty narrow because it's so tall, you know, the top gets so cold, right? And they close it off, you know, before the snow comes. So I climbed kind of maybe the, the last weekend possible to climb Fuji in, you know, one year. And I completely underestimated how cold it would be. As you know, Japan gets really hot in the summertime. And I'm from Canada, right? So I thought, oh, great, you know, I can't wait to feel a little bit of cool air, you know. And I can handle any cold because I'm Canadian. So when I climbed Fuji, I had um, a t-shirt and like a light jacket, right? Or like kind of like a winter jacket, but a light winter jacket. Like you would wear in Japan. And... We started the climb, I and the group that I was with, there were maybe six or seven of us. We took a bus around halfway up Fuji, which seems like cheating, but nobody climbs Fuji from the very bottom, right? That would take a long, long time. And, you know, it's just kind of forest and villages and towns up until halfway. So at the halfway point, that's when most people begin the real climb, and we waited until, I would say, the evening time. And maybe we left at about 8 p.m. When the sun was kind of, you know, freshly set. And we had um, our headlamps, right, that we bought at, I think, Daiso or like a cheap shop. Um, like you imagine like a miner would wear. We had like a, a light strapped onto our foreheads. And we all bought a wooden staff. Okay, so imagine like a hobbit from Lord of the Rings, you know, hiking with this tall wooden walking stick. And the idea of the walking stick is along the way while you're climbing Fuji, you can pay to get these branded stamps on your staff. Okay, so they'll burn like a little insignia or a, a logo of each station up Fuji. Pretty cool souvenir. So... At the start of the hike, I was feeling really excited. Speaking of hobbits and Lord of the Rings, that's exactly how I felt. I felt like I was, you know, Frodo and Sam beginning their journey. You know what I mean? With the ring. And the first, you know, chunk of Fuji, there's a few different routes that you can take. I think the most popular route, I, I don't know the name of it, but it's a weaving gravel road that goes back and forth, back and forth. 
um, kind of zigzagging up the mountain, right? And along the way, there's a bit of um, foliage, a bit of shrubbery, <laughs> uh, another English word, a bit of bushes, right? Uh, there were some bushes along the way, small trees. But for the most part, it was, um, you know, pretty blank, the mountain. Like I said, pretty bare. And by the time you're climbing in the late evening, it's pretty dark and you can't really see anything anyway. You can just kind of see headlamps from other climbers, you know, ahead of you or behind you. And then if you look up the mountain, you know, you can't really see the shape of anything, but you can see lights in the distance, right? And usually those lights, they look quite far away, but those are the stations that you can kind of rest at like a checkpoint up the mountain. I have to say that the the atmosphere, the mood of climbing Mount Fuji is quite exciting, especially the night climb. Everyone there is kind of on this, you know, night mission. <laughs> it's hard to describe, but um, everyone has this kind of feeling of excitement and camaraderie because we're all sharing in the same goal. And you meet people from all around the world, right? Of course, there's lots of Japanese people who love to climb Fuji, but it's a popular tourist destination too. So you might meet people from, you know, America and China and Europe and from Australia and wherever, all around the world. So you can often have nice conversations to make the climb go by quickly. But back to my uh, t-shirt and jacket, I didn't realize, you know, that up the mountain, it gets really cold, <laughs> really cold, um, especially at night, you know, so... It was pretty windy that night that I first climbed, and I was freezing, but I was kind of too prideful, right, to tell the people that I was with how cold I really was, right, because I was the only Canadian in the group. And so every time we came to a checkpoint along the way up the mountain, we were all pretty cold, me especially, me secretly, and we were huddling together, you know, kind of hugging together on the sides of the buildings. So my advice to you is be ready for the cold, right? Even though summer is so hot, be ready for it to be like 10 degrees. I don't know. I don't know the temperature, but you can check the weather when you climb. But uh, the sudden jump of 20 or 30 degrees down is pretty shocking on your body. So about the checkpoints, um, I think you start the climb at the fifth checkpoint, and the last one, I believe, is the ninth checkpoint. But there are smaller checkpoints between, I think, the seventh and eighth stations, something like that. So there's like 7.1, 7.2. .1, those stations, you know, they have benches, um, like wooden benches that you can kind of rest at. Some of the higher up stations actually have an overnight cabin that you can pay to sleep at. Um, and more rarely, some of them have um, food that they serve. Now, the food that they serve up the mountain, it's typically something warm, um, something like cup noodle, which normally costs about 100 yen, 200 yen. On Mount Fuji, it costs about 700 or 800 yen. <laughs> but if you're feeling very, very cold like I was, um, that feels like the greatest 800 yen that you could ever spend, right, to get a hot cup of ramen. 
depending on your pace, the climb up the mountain from the fifth station should take about eight hours, I would say, six to eight hours, something like that. Um, maybe less if you're faster or if you're climbing in a small group. Um, so along the way between the stations, you know, you might bump into people and talk to people, but it's easy to get separated just because it's so far and it's so dark. So the checkpoints are kind of a nice little way to catch up with the other people and, and see how they're doing. You know, you kind of see the people that you're hiking with or alongside with all resting at the same time. And it's funny to hear just like people's experiences, like how are they feeling? How are their legs? How is their breathing? You know, it feels very communal, um, like a, this shared experience. By the time you get to the eighth station um, and you see the lights above you and you're like, oh, that's it. That's the ninth station. Nope. That's like the 8.1 station. Nope. That's the 8.2 station. It can get a little bit discouraging, um, you know, so don't be fooled by the lights ahead of you, right? You'll know when you reach the top of Fuji, when you approach the summit, because you'll see a traffic jam. Now this is quite difficult to picture because when you're climbing the mountain, it's pretty open, right? It's never too crowded because it's so big. But in the last you know, few kilometers before the summit, the, the pathway narrows down and it becomes like this rocky staircase that you have to climb up, right? These high rocky steps. And so everybody funnels in and slows down and the top of Fuji becomes kind of like a line, right? Like you're lining up for a ride at Disneyland. And that can be a bit discouraging because, you know, your legs are the most tired at that point and you're excited to be near the top of the mountain and you have to stop and stand still and take slow steps, you know? Um, so that's kind of like the final challenge of climbing Fuji, I would say. But because it's so crowded and you can hear the conversations of other people, that does make it kind of the final exciting moment before the summit, right before the top of the mountain. So when you finally get to the top, you pass through uh, this stone tori gate, right? Like the gate that you see at a Shinto shrine um, with two statues on either side of the gate uh, of the uh, Komainu, the kind of like lion dogs that you see in China. <laughs> and usually at that point that you reach the summit of Fuji, you have about an hour or so, I would say. That's kind of on average. You have an hour or so left until the sunrise. The top of Fuji, because it's a mountain, uh, because it's a volcano, excuse me, it's a giant, giant ring, right? To walk around the ring of Fuji would take another hour, I want to say, if you just keep moving. But all around the ring, um, there are like these cabins and these little shrines and there are bathroom stations, finally, right? There aren't that many bathrooms climbing up the mountain. Um, there are places to buy food, you know. So it's a great feeling of respite, right? A, a great way to uh, refresh yourself after your difficult climb. But the first time I climbed Fuji, I was so cold <laughs> and so tired, not from, you know, being bodily tired, but being sleepy, that I remember I just 
fell down and fell asleep on a stone staircase while I waited for the sun to rise. Okay, so now for the sunrise. Um, from way up on Fuji, even before the sunrise, you can see all of Japan around you, but depending on the weather, it might be a sea of clouds, right? Everything might be covered in a thick cloud blanket, right? And I called it a sea of clouds before because that's exactly what it looks like depending on the lighting. And you can see the peaks of other tall mountains around Japan poking out of the top of the clouds so that they look like islands in the sea of clouds, right? And it's quite beautiful. You know, I think for me, that was like the coolest thing that every time I see it, every time I see that sight from the top of Fuji, I'm, I'm blown away at just like how wide the the view is, you know, how huge everything looks, um, you know, and how far you can see. Now, the sunrise itself, it, it happens slowly because you're so high, you can see it coming from a long ways away, right? And the first thing that will happen is the clouds will change color, of course, right? I mean, you've seen a sunrise before. I don't have to describe it to you. But, uh, right, the, the shifting of warm colors with the sunrise is so beautiful. Um, and everyone is kind of watching it. Everyone climbed the difficult mountain to share in the same experience. And it's very rewarding. No matter how cloudy the weather is, um, it's beautiful, right? And honestly, I think that the cloudier it is, the more beautiful the view is, I think. So like I said, both times I've climbed Fuji, I climbed overnight to see the sunrise. Um, the second time I climbed Fuji, I stayed at one of the cabins for the night. And that was a unique experience. But honestly, if I were to climb Fuji again, I would want to try it from the morning, right? And I would want to just climb up and down. Because I feel like when you climb at night, you miss the view throughout the entire climb. I think it would be quite nice to climb Fuji in the daytime and, you know, to be able to turn around and see the view. I would be careful, though, because that would be quite hot in the sun. So, you know, take your pick. Do you want a dark climb through the night uh, with a beautiful sunrise at top and then a beautiful bright climb down? Or... Do you want a hotter, maybe more difficult climb, but with a beautiful blue-green, you know, natural view throughout the entire climb? And the last thing that I'll talk about, the descent down Fuji, right? Climbing down, which is much easier and much faster, I think, than climbing up, of course. Uh, but typically, climbing down a mountain, I find to be the hardest part. I mean... A, because your legs are tired, right? And your calves are really sore. The backs of your legs, right, are really sore from climbing up. And B, it hurts the toes, right, to climb down a mountain typically, right? Because you're kind of kicking down a bit. Fuji is much, much more pleasant climbing down, I think, because it's a volcano, right? And it's more sandy and gravelly than rocky, right? It's a lot of volcanic ash and sand. So two things, okay, two things that I'll recommend. When you're going down Fuji um, after you climb to the top, walk backwards as much as you can. Because it's pretty open and pretty safe, you know, 
You don't have to worry about tripping on any tree roots or any rocks or any animals or whatever. So you can walk backwards, which will feel great on your calves and on your toes, right? And it makes it a little bit fun to, you know, uh, like a little extra challenge of walking backwards. But yeah, it feels great on your legs. Now, the other thing that I will recommend, and for me, this was the surprise highlight of climbing Fuji, the best thing. When you climb down Fuji, take the Gotemba Trail, okay? The Gotemba Trail. You can take it going up, of course, but if you're going down, you gotta take that trail. It is the best, and I'll tell you why. There's, um, I think from the sixth station down, there's what they call in Japanese the Osunabashiri, Osunabashiri, which means the Great Sand Run, okay? <laughs> now, the Great Sand Run is basically a, you know, giant, giant kilometers long um, sand slide, okay? Now, the sand here is very deep and very soft, which means that if your legs are feeling okay, you can run down the side of the mountain and you can do that for like an hour. And if you run down, um, you can save so much time and so much effort of, you know, walking slowly down. So last time I climbed Mount Fuji, I, I was like jumping and like flying down the sand trail, right? Taking like giant leaping steps because every time I, I landed on my foot, I would slide down um, into the deep sand and I felt safe, right? For the most part, it's pretty clear. So even if you do like fall down backwards, you can just kind of land softly on your back. Just be careful not to go too fast and lean forward, which would cause you to roll down the mountain, of course, right? Be very careful. When you get deeper down or lower down the mountain, um, it does get pretty rocky. So at that point, you can always stop your running. Um, <laughs> I won't lie, the last time I climbed Fuji, I just ran the entire length of the sand trail um, all the way down to the bottom, and it was so fun. It was one of the most fun experiences of my life, to the point where I reached the bottom and I sat down panting, right, like, <sighs> after, like, basically running and laughing for an hour, right? Um, and I just immediately texted my friends <laughs> and I had to share with somebody how fun the experience was. I, I, you know, I told them, I just had the most fun I've ever had in my life, I think. Maybe I shouldn't be uh, recommending that. You know, I don't want anyone to get hurt. Of course, be very, very careful. Don't underestimate Mount Fuji, right? It can be cold. It can be tall. The air can be very thin, right? Which can make it hard to breathe. Um, and you gotta bring enough food too, right? You don't wanna be buying all your food on the mountain. Okay, well, I think I've talked enough about Mount Fuji. I got a little carried away there. It was, uh, you know, a great memory, so I, I enjoy talking about it. So have you ever climbed Mount Fuji? Do you want to climb Mount Fuji? Let me know in the comments. That's it for me, uh, as always. You can follow Honto Ego on Instagram at Honto Ego Pod, H-O-N-T-O-E-I-G-O-P-O-D, Honto Ego Pod. 
Uh, if you have any questions about grammar or about English or if you want a book recommendation, <laughs> uh, you can comment that wherever you're listening now on YouTube or Spotify or wherever. Or you can send an email to hontoego at gmail.com. One little last bonus thing. Uh, if you don't know, in Japan, when you climb a mountain, uh, it's typical to shout from the from the top of the mountain, Yahoo! Okay? Uh, it's kind of a way to greet other climbers. It's like, you know, the way that we yodel, maybe, in the West. <laughs> you know, like, yodel hee-hoo! <laughs> Um, so, as a final goodbye, Yahoo!